Well, our lead pastor, Andrew, is out of town this weekend celebrating his wife, Linda's birthday. And so this morning, we have the privilege to hear from our friends, Phil and JJ. And they're going to, um, we've been in this series called The Three Kings. We're looking at the life of Saul, David, and Solomon. And this morning, we're going to hear um, from Psalm 1. So come on up, friends. Lord, would you bless these two as they share? God, would you make the word come alive to us in a new way this morning? In your name, amen. Hi, y'all. Is there an audience in the house? (laughs) Yo, yo. We are very excited to be here today, and we do a lot of things together. We parent together. We've done lots of trainings together. We led a team together. Uh, and now we're doing this together. So we're going to kind of tag team, uh, swallow and chew on a certain part of scripture. All scripture is God breathed. We love it all. There's three, 31,102 verses that you could chew on and meditate on. We're going to take six today. So whether you think that's a lot or not, it's really not a lot, but we're going to ready? Are you ready? <laughs> Are you ready to rumble? Yeah, I'm not going to rumble, but thank you (laughs) for offering the rumble. Um, Phil is a great uh, Bible teacher, but his methods is a little bit different than maybe what you've seen uh, at this church. So we're going to do something different, and we're going to try to help you learn the psalm rather than just hear us talking about what we think it's about. So that's the first part of um, of our short time here together. and. These are not ideas that is just one time in Scripture. You can find these ideas we're going to talk about in Joshua 1 and in Jeremiah 17. And Jesus repeats the Old Testament in everything he teaches. The Word of God doesn't contradict. And so we're just excited to share with you a psalm. Actually, in the series that Andrew's going through, we're going to hit, you know, David. He talks about David. And David didn't write this psalm. but psalm That we one, know of. That we know of, yes. I mean, he could have, but it's not ascribed to him as the authorship. Um, But this is the intro to the collection of psalms. Psalms are just songs. And so it's the album, right? There's 150 songs on the album. No, I wish I knew the actual music to all these songs, but we know the lyrics, right? We can get creative with how we sing it here and there. Uh, I did hear one on YouTube, though, that made me cry. It did. I came in the kitchen, he was crying yesterday. And I'll just tell you, maybe you know this as a couple, what makes him cry doesn't make me cry. He says, what were you thinking about during this? And I was like, I was thinking about if the stove was on or not. (laughs) But he was like, oh, it's so beautiful. The Psalms was being sung. I mean, what touches my heart doesn't touch his heart. That's just how it is. It was being sung in Hebrew, which was very cool. Apparently, yes. (laughs) So go ahead and walk through the, the passage, babe. Okay, just quick, we have a title for this sermon. It's Two People, Two Paths, Two Destinations, which we actually got from Dr. Stephen Lawson. Thank you. He's a professor of preaching at Master's College. And some of the ideas we also took from uh, John Piper, pastor of Bethlehem Baptist Church. And so when you think of the word destination, um, I am a, I guess, coach or consultant slash personal shopper slash Uber driver. And uh, last weekend, I took a passenger, and we hopped in, and he said, let's go to 1030 Park Avenue. And I'm like, okay, we headed there. It was a pub. And I'm like, this makes sense. And then he's like, what are we doing here? This is not the right destination. 
And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, we're supposed to be going to Ceres Avenue. And I'm like, okay, that's way over there. And so we went there and we got to, to Ceres Avenue. And then we pulled up to the house. He's like, that's not the right house. And I'm all like, he's got to go on is the address that people right. punched in. That's, that's all he's got. And so then um, he said, I know where we're going. It's a house that has a gray pickup truck. <laughs> in Chico. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, let's just keep on going, you know, and maybe we'll get to the right destination. So we drove around a series up and down. And then I'm like, well, what kind of pickup is it? You know, he's like, it's a Toyota. Okay. And I'm like, okay, what kind of Toyota? We were seeing all kinds of great trucks. And then finally he said, it's a Toyota Tacoma. And all of a sudden we turned and we both looked and in the driveway right there was a Toyota Tacoma and it was gray. And he's like, this is it. So destination <laughs> fulfilled. And I said to him, I turned, I said, thank God we got here. I don't know how we got here, but somehow we got to this destination. So, but life is sometimes like that um, in a miraculous way, right? So do you know your destination, right? Um, where are we going? So Psalm 1, this is a good synopsis that uh, my wife wrote. A person who is truly blessed delights in God and his word above all else and prospers in God's kingdom. All right? So that's what we're going to get into today. So I want you guys to learn that this passage, the word of God is alive, it's active. This is like the most important part of the sermon. So I need you guys to really key in, put on your thinking caps. All right? I'm gonna, let's all read this passage together. So let's put that up on the, on the screen. Everyone stand up. Let's wake up and make sure we read this and Audience we learn this. participation morning. You might not have been prepared, but we are going to participate. All right, out loud. One, two, three. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffer. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law... He meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water and yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They are like the chaff the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners, sinners in the, the assembly of the righteous. Of the righteous. For, For the, the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the, the way of the, the wicked will perish. That's God's holy word. You may be seated. Thank you, you guys. So now if we take this slide off the screen, I just want you guys to look at me and use your ears and your auditory learning to learn this passage, okay? So, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, on which he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, 
He bears his fruit in season, and his leaves do not wither. In everything he does, he prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like the chaff driven by the wind. The wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sit in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. All right, we got that? Yep, I got it. I knew you were going to dance sometime during really? this service. Oh, how did you know? All right, I'm going to uh, have you guys turn to somebody next to you and tell back as the most of that passage you can remember, okay? If you're alone, just tell it to yourself out loud. All right, two minutes. Go for it. Yeah, if we had more time and if it wasn't COVID, I would run out there and I'd have someone do it in the audience because one, at one church, I did it with a 10-year-old little girl and she said the whole thing perfect. And our memories are amazing if we use them, right? Amen. All right, go. go okay, so have you heard of hashtags? Okay. I was a little bit behind. Sometimes when you leave a, a place that has hashtags and you come back, you're like, what's going on? Hashtag blessed. Everybody's hashtag blessed. Okay, so a hashtag is when someone has an idea or a picture or an opinion, they throw it on the internet, on Instagram, hashtag my dog is cute. Hashtag boyfriends are awesome. Hashtag blessed. Okay, this is a really popular one. And if you just were an alien coming down from outer space and you're going to ask, uh, what do humans think blessing is? You would look up hashtag blessed and see the pictures and see the descriptions. Have you guys ever done that? Do you know what's in there? All kinds of crazy, okay? Um, so I, these, are my, these are my top ones that I think, uh, okay, these are pretty stereotypical. If a person is blessed, what do they feel? What do they think? What makes them blessed, okay? So according to the internet, I'm blessed because I have big muscles. And then you have all these bodybuilders, you know, like they're super strong. I'm, yes, just like my husband. I'm blessed because I have, look, I have a nice car. It costs $150,000. It's super, super shiny. I'm blessed because I'm living in the lap of luxury. Um, I'm on a very cool uh, vacation in Tahiti for, you know, three months. Um, I'm blessed because look at, all of my smiling, great-looking friends around me. I'm blessed because look at all the friends I have. Um, I'm hashtag blessed because look at me. I'm in a wedding dress. I'm getting married. Or I'm blessed because I'm having a baby. And my favorite was, look it. You're right. You're right. Um, I'm blessed because I can pop a wheelie with my Schwinn bike with a yellow banana seat. Like, that was my favorite. I'm blessed because I can pop a wheelie. And if you were just not knowing what blessing was at all, and you look at the human's response to what they think blessing is, you'd be pretty confused because it pretty much means anything, right? And when something means anything, it starts to mean nothing anymore. So this Psalm I love because Jesus echoes this Psalm later and he reaffirms that blessing comes from God. Blessing puts you on a path of righteousness. Blessing separates you from wickedness. Blessing allows you to stand at the judgment seat in the congregation of the righteous. So 
you know, this is how Jesus can use the word blessed when he preaches in Matthew 5 through 7, a famous sermon that he did with a big crowd of people. He takes the word blessing and he flips it upside down and he's showing his hashtags or pictures, you know, his word pictures that he's painting that has nothing to do with getting married or having babies or popping a wheelie on your Schwinn bike. Okay. He's talking about blessed are you because this, 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 this. When you can depend on God and he can work in you and through you, you're blessed. And the ending was, blessed are you when people slander you and say all kinds of bad things about you on account of me. Great will your reward be in heaven. You'll be rewarded because your treasure is in heaven. No one in their right mind here would say, hashtag blessed, I'm getting thrown in jail. Hashtag blessed, everybody's saying awful things about me. But our, our interest is, especially as Christians, we got to figure out what this book says about blessings and cursings and not listen to what everybody else is putting up on the internet or having opinions on it. Um, it's, it's important as a kid. It's an, important as a teenager. It's important as an adult. It's important as an aging adult. It's important for everybody. So hashtag blessed as in listen up to the word of God. Boom. Hashtag mind blown. <laughs> blessed. So blessed is the one or the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. So we're going to talk about three things not to do. The main focus of this psalm is what to do. Like, don't forget that as we talk about what not to do. Um, but have you ever had wicked counsel or bad advice? Have you ever made a decision and you look back and you're like, why did I do that? Yes. And then where did that, did that advice come from? Well, as we're thinking about destination, if I said to you, hey, let's get in the car and let's go to Paradise, California. And then you said, well, let's go on the 99 North. Is that good advice? Some people said, sure. <laughs> they like the Look at the map. Route. It's not good advice. It's <laughs> wicked counsel. Okay. You know, or, or what if they say, let's go to, on Honey Run Road. Is that a good advice? Let's go to Nimshu and Megalia. That's so fun. Let's go that way. Well, sometimes we get bad <laughs> Unnecessary advice. work to go that way, right? You're doing this. And so where does that bad advice come from? Sometimes it comes from, well, I'd say three things. The first place is ourselves, right? The world, the flesh, and the devil. So the flesh. Um, sometimes we deceive ourselves. Here in James 1, it says, do not merely listen to the words and deceive yourself, but do what it says, right? So we can deceive ourselves with our own thoughts, with our own feelings, our own emotions, our own ideas. And we can say, let's go exploring in life. Let's go figure out all the things that I might enjoy. And uh, we get a little bit sidetracked. So some other wicked counsel can come from others. Um, here we have Romans 12, uh, 2 that says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you will be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So the pattern of this world or the wicked counsel that comes from others is everything that is opposite or opposing to God's truth and his law, uh, which is what we're to delight in. The other uh, way that uh, we can get uh, wicked counsel is through the devil and his minions, right? Uh, all of those voices that the devil, he's the accuser of the brethren. And he's always speaking lies. Everything he speaks to us is lies. 
So that reminds me of a can story. I, can I just yeah. add? I think the enemy loves to mix lies and then put a layer of truth on top of it. Has anyone ever uh, sensed that? That you'll hear something and it'll sound like truth, it'll ring truth, but the other half of the sentence is the opposite of truth? He likes to package it so that it's more appetizing to people looking for wisdom. You have to swallow the whole thing or not at all. And if you, if you break down an idea or counsel, you better break it all down to figure out if it's going to lead to good fruit or bad fruit. That's what I have to say. Go ahead. Boom. Um, so you've got everything in the world, the lust, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the father, but from the world. And so, yeah, we got to watch out for that sugar-coated lie, too, that can come to us. Uh, if we move on, we have someone going on. Uh, the blessed person doesn't stand in the way of sinners. So I don't think it's going to be our sermon today, picking on certain sins, like God hates these sins and God likes these sins. God hates sin, period. And how he measures it is not how we measure it, right? There's always consequences to our sin. Um, but standing in the way of sinners, we kind of get it confused a little bit. And I look to the person and example of Jesus when I want to think about this. Was he friends with sinners? He was called a friend of sinners. This is why the uppity, uppity religious people, this is one of the things he said, they said against him. You go hang out with sinners. And he's like, that's right. He knew prostitutes. He knew tax collectors. He knew adulterers. And they all loved him because he spent time with them, because he knew them. But he never stood in their way. So I'm standing near him, right? But I'm not standing in his way. We have different lifestyles. There's sinful lifestyle. There's righteous lifestyle. Jesus never dipped his foot into the way of sinners. And so that's what it means when we are following after Jesus. We all are going to struggle with sin until we die. That's just how it's going to be. But unrepentant, stubborn, refusal to submit to and love God's will, that's the way of sinners. This is what Psalm 1 is calling us out. Um, we're not supposed to just say, since we're all sinners and we all have a little go-to-heaven free card, we can just continue on the way of sinners. If that's the message we get when we hear and embrace the gospel, We've embraced the wrong gospel because the gospel, the seed of true life, if planted in our hearts, will produce life, life of righteousness, not life of wickedness. So we're going to have to struggle with that until we die. But this is just affirming there's a way of sinners. You don't have to take it. Love sinners. Be, be just like the friend of sinners, just like Jesus was. We want to pattern our life after him but we can't take on the unrepentant lifestyle. Going on in the passage, it says, uh, nor sits in the seat of mockers. So you guys see that progression, walking, standing, and then sitting. So it becomes more entrenched the deeper you go. And uh, the blessed, the happy man or person is not the ridiculer of God, his people, or his church. Okay? To scoff means to make fun of, to show disrespect, and usually comes with an attitude of arrogance, like a better than attitude. I have a warning for us, church. I'm interrupting you again. Go for it. 
This is my warning. I've had to warn myself. I'm in this camp. If we're using the truths of God, scripture, righteous talking, and we use it to scoff at somebody else, we're, that is still the wicked road, people. Get off the wicked road. Scoffing does not belong in the kingdom of God. And you can say, you know, I'm using this, bam, bam, over the head, and you're actually scoffing at the opposite camp or the opposite opinion. You're still scoffing. There's no room on the righteous road for scoffing. So we need to check ourselves. There's a bazillion things that we could scoff at others about, and the righteous road has none of it. Amen. So Proverbs 26, 12 says, do you see a person or are you a person that is wise in their own eyes? Do you think you've got it all figured out? There is more hope for a fool than for them. Okay, so godly wisdom is different than man's wisdom. In many ways, the scoffer is the one who relies on his own wisdom that is wise in his own eyes. And scoffing can leave, lead many astray. I've seen this happen myself. In Matthew 18, 6, it says, If any one of you causes one of these little ones in the faith who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to be put a rock around their neck and throw them into the sea. You know, because when you scoff, you're coming against what God's doing in people's life. And that can drag them down, pull them away, or lead them astray. Okay, next we have delighting. This is my favorite part. But the righteous person, the blessed person, the person filled with God's happiness is in the law of the Lord. So don't think laws of the Lord as in the rule book. Think all the teachings contained in the word of God. And on his law, he meditates day and night. So when I ask the Lord to give me a picture of what kind of delight, uh, what, what it is, what I could say, I flash to all the times when we lived somewhere other than America and we got a package sent from home, right? From my mom or from a friend. And we would wait until everybody got home and we say, we got a package and the kids would be sitting down and they would be like, it's like Christmas morning, but better. And we would get the, the knife out. And we would open the, the um, box. Thank you. You're just demonstrating so well. And you would think that we won the lottery. Those things in those pack that, that package that we got, like each person would take one thing out and it would mean so much to them. And let me tell you what was in the boxes usually. I yeah. got the duct tape. Duct tape, Band-Aids, peanut butter, Kraft mac and cheese. Do you understand these aren't wonderful things in themselves? They're not like life-changing things. Uh, but there was something about getting a connection to our homeland. There's somebody on the earth that knows the glory of duct tape. There's somebody out there who's tasted peanut butter, and they, they like us tasting peanut butter as well. These are things we couldn't get where we lived. And someone out there wanted us to connect with our homeland and the ways of our homeland. I'm going to suggest to you that the delight in the law of the Lord, this passage just talks about, is way deeper than that. And it is because when we delight in God and his kingdom and his word, we are connecting with our home culture. Not our, where we were born, what our earthly passport says. When we submit our lives to Christ and we are Christians, we get a spiritual passport, and it's not to America or Scotland or Ireland. It is to heaven. The kingdom is heaven. So when we uh, 
read things, when we hear things, when we see things that are connected to God's law, that is the deepest delight that we'll get in this life. If our actual uh, kingdom uh, citizenship is in heaven, then anything that reminds us of it or anything that we can grasp or anything, any way we can help others get into the kingdom or help grow in the kingdom, that's the deepest delight we can have in this life. And if those aren't your deepest delight, then maybe the patterns of your mind need to be changed. If your deepest delight is connecting you back to this world, then you have some delights to change because God has something deeper and better for you. Amen. So finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Yeah. And sometimes the idea of meditation here in, in the word of God in Psalm 1 is not the idea that you empty your mind and then have it stay empty and it'll be a good thing. This is doing the opposite. It's asking you to fill your minds with things. If we don't fill it with God's word, we don't fill it with God's truth, all we got left is ourselves. Like, wherever you are, there you are. We'll just go circularly in our fleshly thoughts. And God's way, the ideal reader of this book, the ideal listener and follower of this book, meditates. And the, the Hebrew is, is Haggai. You're Haggai. Like making little sounds. That means whispering it to yourself or saying it together. Uh, it's just... You like so, that? so yeah, I, I challenge you guys this week. I tried to throw it into your court. So take Psalm 1 and Haggai on it this week. <laughs> so who likes metaphors? I mean, I walked out there and I saw those pictures and I was blown away. Like, oh, those are so beautiful. Well, here's some metaphors for you. Um, verse 3, he is like a tree. Um, tree, tree, big, enormous, strong. Think of the bark on it, how thick it is, you know, the woodpecker trying to get inside it is strong, you know, and it's planted uh, by streams of water. There you've got the roots that are going down deep and they're drawing into the tree. What a metaphor, what a powerful picture of a strong believer, somebody who is, is deep in the word. And they're drawing from the grace of Christ and they are by the river planted. They're bearing fruit in season and their leaves do not wither because they've got that water to draw from. Not like the tree that fell over at one mile, you know, a few weeks ago. If you looked at that tree, the roots were tiny, almost barren, and it just collapsed. You know, we want to be deep, our whole lives just going deeper and deeper into the word. In all that he does, he prospers. So um, my lovely wife mentioned that, like, what is prosperous? Is it like worldly uh, wealth and uh, worldly experiences. Um, no, it's the kingdom of God prosper. You know, and she said Jesus was like the most prosperous of everybody and the best example for us of prosper prosperity. But when we think of that, Jesus never got married. He never had children. He never had a home. He never had any money, right? But yet he was the most prosperous of all. How is that success, right? All right, moving on. The wicked are not so. So Psalms, Proverbs, a lot of places in the word of God is, are filled with contrast. And in the society nowadays, we don't really like to think in black and white. We have Mother Teresa and serial killers and everything in between is gray. 
and it's a very large gray. And in Psalms, uh, this Psalm is contrasting very concretely, right? The path of everlasting, the path of that will like chaff, not do anything. So what is chaff? I'm not a farmer, but I've studied threshing floors enough in the Bible to know that when you get the wheat and you throw it down, there's, you can't just take wheat and eat it. There's seed and the husks and you divide it. The stuff that is, the chaff is the garbage that you don't eat. It blows away in the wind. So you have a winnowing fork and you just, you're scooping it up and shaking it. All the good stuff goes down. All the stuff that doesn't mean anything. You don't want to eat it. You want, it means nothing to you. It, it's of no use. It blows away. So this is Psalm's uh, message to us about the destination. Remember how Phil told about the guy who didn't know where he was going and they kind of wandered? It's amazing that they got to the, the house with the, with the uh, truck. A lot of people in the world are wandering and they don't know where their destination. We are freaked out as a human race about thinking about final destinations. The fear of death is gripping the whole universe because what's going to happen? This psalm is repeated again and again and again, at least the ideas. There's an eternal destination. There's one judgment. You're either going to be like the chaff or you're going to be the one to stand in the assembly of righteous, the gathered ones who will be around the throne of God. And uh, you, don't, you don't want to be chaff. And Jesus' cousin talks about chaff also in Matthew 3. I baptize you, this is John the Baptist, his cousin, I baptize you with water for repentance. After me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork, just like in Psalm 1, his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So who has the winnowing fork? Jesus. Okay. Who's going to be throwing the chaff in the fire? Jesus. These are very black and white things. We don't like to hear it. Okay. And we're all on a journey to figure out what we believe and what we want to take on. But there's just some places in scripture, you're not going to avoid it. Later in, in the New Testament, all of Jesus' buddies say, hey, hey, there's somebody across the river. They're baptizing in your name. Should we stop them? And he says, um, if they're not for us, they're against us. If they're not against us, they're for us. Even Jesus had a black and white idea. And those people were baptizing in his name. He's like, leave them alone. Don't touch them. Because if they're for me, they're for me. If they're against me, they're against me. There's none of this huge gray that we like to swim in and take our time in. Because if we're like, oh, I'm not for or against Jesus. If you're not for him, you're against him. That's just how it is. So this psalm kind of brings up the contrast. A friend of ours overseas, he defined the word uh, repent. And I love how he said it. He said, to repent is to turn and believe. And so whatever destination you are on, wherever you are at in your life, is an opportunity. Whether you're up in Nimshu or in Red Bluff or wherever you're going, there's a chance for repentance. And repentance is a, symbol, is a simple act of the will of just turning and believing. Believing a new truth, believing this truth that you've heard today, 
And there's a wonderful uh, promise that comes with this truth, which is in John 3.16. Yeah, Jesus uses the idea of perishing and everlasting, just like this psalm is echoing. There's a perishing and there's everlasting. Maybe some of you have seen this raised in the football stands at an NFL game, right? It took me a lot of years to figure out what it said. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. If you want a way off of the path of wickedness, Jesus is your hope. If you want to walk after Jesus, stay on the path of righteousness. And uh, apart from uh, this abundant life and the delight in God's word, there is no abundant life. There is no true deep-seated delight that we have in this life apart from loving the word and the word come in the flesh, which is Jesus. Um, let me take an opportunity to pray for you guys and that this word would um, this resonate. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus, who was the word in the flesh. We thank you that the word is alive and now and active and able to divide between our heart and our soul and to really just convict us right now. We thank you that uh, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you that your word is something we can put in our heart that we do not sin against God. And so we pray, uh, Holy Spirit, to come, be the convictor, um, be the comforter for us. We thank you for your church. We thank you for the assembly of the righteous, that this wicked life uh, will end and it will perish and all the wickedness around us and there will be no uh, more tears in heaven. And we look forward to that day that the feast will be together to celebrate with all of those who delight in the word. We thank you for that promise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We have prayer for you guys in the chapel, um, which is that direction to the right. Uh, if anyone would want to pray with us, we're willing to pray with you after service here as well. May you go with the word of God, Psalm 1. Um, Haggaiing in your heart today as you meditate on his truth. Go in grace. <laughs>